Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. I'm excited to teach today. We're going to talk about behind closed doors. Matthew 6 says this. Jesus um, is talking and he reads, he, he tells the people, but when you pray, go into your room and, your father, and pray to your father and he who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, get behind closed doors, pray to your Father who is, who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, every time I, uh, I, I, I get to, to teach, whatever, Bible study, whatever, I always love to make sure we understand that the New Testament and Old Testament are always interweaving beautifully together. I mean, there are two separate Testaments, which they are, but yet the echoes of the Old Testament and the New Testament are just numerous, numerous, numerous. The more you read, the more you study, this just becomes more and more clear. Today we're going to see a few of those examples, but this one gets us started. This is what Jesus said in Matthew. Let's look at what God said earlier in Second Chronicles 16.9. says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Okay, the eyes of the Lord right now are looking throughout the earth to see whose heart he can strengthen. Because if the heart is committed to him, he wants to strengthen it. So again, what we do is we take a scripture of New Testament, we take a scripture of Old Testament, and we see that there is this this truth that God wants you to be fully his because he wants to strengthen. He wants to bless you. Jesus says, when you pray, go into behind closed doors, because when you do that, that shows commitment, okay? It means you, you want to, and your Father's going to reward that. So based on these two sentences, what we can do is we can just say like, all right, let's just kind of provide a theology this morning of what this means behind closed doors. And the word theology just means it's faith seeking understanding, so we start with our faith, what we believe. We believe what Jesus said is true, right? I mean, many of you will be with me on this. Jesus said, if you go into your room, you pray to a God who is unseen behind closed doors, your Father will see what is done in secret and reward you. I believe that. I believe that. Our faith isn't questioning that. We believe that. That is our faith. But if our faith seeks understanding, I want to understand that though. Like, what is a reward? What is the gift? God's going to strengthen me. What is that? How can we get that theology understood? Well, what we do is now we look at the Bible and we ask ourselves, biblically, what happens? Are there moments in the Bible where there is closed behind, you know, behind closed doors that God does something or reveals something? Is this an act that is also displayed throughout scriptures? And there are several of which we are going to look at today. But before we get to that, here is my problem with uh, people. Um, uh, yeah. S- we live in a world that is just spinning so fast. You know what I mean? Like, like we're just so busy, 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 busy. And after you counsel, talk, hear stories, hear stories, counsel, talk, meet people, it's like, okay. We don't know who we are. Like, it's a basic, simplistic issue. But it's great, profound 
significance. The, the simplicity of, we don't know who we are as an individual. We don't take time to get grounded to understand who we are. We're just going out into a world, a world that's spinning fast and busy and so many things to do and so many things that take our time, right? And then, I mean, we have to even approach that. The social media is obviously always there to take every second of our free time. Like we just get on the phone or get on the iPad, get on the computer. And that, that is troubling because it, we are not allowing alone time. Like just think, this is not a devotional sermon. This is not a Sabbath sermon. I'm just talking about moments during our day getting behind closed doors. When we don't do that, we fly out our house at the beginning of the day and we enter a cycle that we're not grounded in. And so then we look and we see images on social media and we see like, oh yeah, I want to I be like that. Or, you know what I mean? Oh man, they're doing awesome. I, I want to be like that. And what happens is we get, we fill our minds with highlight reels of other people's lives. Some of those are even fake. I mean, like they're just putting that because that's the life they want to live, you know, but, and they, they can post it. Technology is wonderful. It can be utilized beautifully. You can use everything wonderfully. But it can also suffocate us. And so what happens is this. I'm coming back to a core problem with several. The, the main problem with most of us a lot of times is we just forget who we are. Okay? So how can we do this? So God says this. When you're in, closed behind doors, I'm going to reward you. If God is speaking this over here, and this is how our world is currently going, we see a gross, gross misbalance, okay? How can we fix this situation? I'm going to give you four questions today. And with my whole heart, I honestly believe, I honestly believe if you spend time behind closed doors with these four questions, you will have extraordinary impact on your spirituality with God and who you are. I, I mean, I, I guarantee it. Like, it is, it's biblical and it is sure because it, 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 we will see it as it unfolds today. But if you spend time with these four questions, I want to encourage you. I challenge you. If you put them into practice, you will see a steadiness in your life which will then develop into more commitment to God and you will be sure of who you are. And it's, it's amazing. I can't wait to journey with you. To do that, let's go ahead and start with the first story, okay? The, and we're going to go through some stories, four stories. The first story, let me set it up for you real fast. It's going to be in Genesis 32, and it has to do with Jacob. Jacob had been working for his father-in-law, and his father-in-law had not been paying him yet. And then it turns out that his father-in-law got um, just it was against him. So again, if you read the story in its entirety, Genesis 32, uh, but today we're going to pick up the scriptures with, with that. So now Jacob knows that his father-in-law is against him. He has to leave. So this is where we pick up. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that, he, so that his hip was wrenched 
as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked, what is your name? Okay, so first of all, just a side note, it is okay to sometimes if you ever are like, God, would you just please bless me? Would you bless the situation and you just want to rattle somebody? You know what I mean? I see some of the shirts in, in our last sermon series. Me too, okay? Me too. You just want to, God, come on, give me a blessing. Give me an answer. I just want to tell you guys, uh, we always got to be teaching you, it's okay to have that, okay? That's the context of our relationship with God. It's all throughout the Bible, right? And so you can see that. It's okay to question. It's okay to, you know, have a moment like that. Don't freak out about that. Now, when Jacob wrestles with God, he asks for a blessing. He wants a blessing. Now, many of us would think blessing, and we completely think health, wealth, we think in these terms. The blessing Jacob gets is completely different than that. It's a blessing of a question. And the question is, the blessing he got was, what is your name? Now, that sounds so simplistic to our ears. But if we take it into consideration, it can have profound implications on our spirituality. What is your name? You get behind closed doors and you say, what is my name? You ask that. What is your name? What do people associate with your name when they hear your name? What do people think of? What is your name? What does my family think of when they hear my name? What do my coworkers think when they hear my name? What is my name? Your name is a legacy, okay? What legacy am I leaving? What is my name? What is my name? See, in, in the Bible, you would always have a name, and then they, they call it like the narrative, uh, describing what the name is. Your name is shorthand for your life, for your story. So, for example, we always read, God, comma, who brought you out of Egypt, comma, bam. Jesus, comma, light of the world, comma, does this. Paul, an apostle of Christ, comma, continue. It's your narrative. Like, what is your name? What is your name? If you take moments behind closed doors and just say, what is my name? And you really ponder on that. You will see, while it's a simple question, it will have heavy, heavy, heavy load on you. Because here's what's happening. We'll see later that there's always going to be a war between God and the world and what your name is. So what is your name? Let's go to a second question. Jacob was asked, what is your name? Let's go to Elijah. Elijah in a in 1 Kings 19, Elijah thinks he's all alone. He thinks he's, he's the only one left. That, that of all the people that were worshiping God and, and honoring God, that everybody has quit except for Elijah. And he feels like his life is in danger. Again, if you read the whole story, it's in 19, uh, 1 Kings 19. But Elijah is running. He says, I'm the only one left. And every time you run away, it's fertile ground for complaining. So he's just complaining. I'm the only one left. 
Well, God appears to him. And let's see what happens. Um, God told Elijah, he said, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The second question that if you give time to answer came to Elijah. It says, what are you doing? Now see, Elijah was running away. And in that running away, he was turning into complaining. We can be asked, what are we doing? Literally, here is my name. Now, what am I doing? What am I doing today? What have I been doing? What have I not been doing? What makes me think it is correct to be doing what I'm doing? What what am I doing? Am I just being tossed around by the wind in this world? Or no, this is me. This is what I'm doing. What are you doing here? God spoke to Elijah in a whisper, but here's the deal. It would have made sense for the mighty God to show up in a powerful wind. It would have made sense for God to speak in the earthquake. And it would have certainly made sense for him to speak in the fire because that's what happened in the Old Testament. Moses and the burning bush, okay? This was... Not uncommon that God could have certainly spoke to Elijah through all that. But this particular day, it was no behind closed doors, if you will, at the the mouth of the cave. He whispers, what are you doing? What are you doing? I submit this to you. I think today we have a plethora of resources for the church. It's coming out our ears, okay? We, we've got so many self-help books, self-help sermons, how to, how to do this. I mean, it's, it's can almost kind of get kind of ridiculous, really. Uh, podcasts, music, all of the resources coming out. Listen, while all those are certainly capable of God using to influence your life, absolutely, just like he could use the earthquake, wind, and fire, okay, to Elijah. Just like all this stuff makes sense that he could speak through all this stuff to us. I'm saying, no. You need to have moments where you turn off the podcast and just chuck the phone across the room. You need to shut the books. You need to not even listen to another sermon. Obviously, except for the rest of this one. (laughs) Don't even listen to a sermon. You need, why God can speak through all that stuff, and there will be times and places that he does. You need to get behind closed doors and in the still quietness, allow God to just ask you, you speak. You quit listening. Quit listening to everybody else. You speak to the question of God asking you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, what are you going to do? 
what are you doing? This is who I am. This is my name. This is what I'm doing. You get grounded in that. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm just my personal, if I, oh, I just want to, these two questions have had an enormous impact on me for several, several years now. I love these two questions. I've used them. I've taught them. I've shared them. It's invaluable stuff to get behind closed doors and ground yourself. The world is full of bodies just moving with no point, no, 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 no substance. We, we don't need more of that. We need followers of Christ who know they're followers of Christ. This is my name. This is what I'm doing. Let's go on to a third question, okay? A third story comes out of Acts 10. And this is Peter. You might be familiar with Peter, Acts. Acts is like the beginning of the church, okay? After Jesus ascends into heaven and then it's like game on. It's time for us humans to to run with this um, church thing. In Acts 10, we we, we read that uh, Peter went alone to pray, okay? That's it. There's nothing more to it. Scripture says he went alone to pray. So again, he's getting behind closed doors. But this is what the Scripture says. About noon the following day, this is chapter 10, in case you're writing it down. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You can read for yourself. But what happens in the following verses is Peter is received the vision that the gospel is not just for the Gentile, uh, just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles as well as for all nations of, of, of the world. He receives a vision that crazy changes happens to Peter's life, to the rest of the apostles, to the rest of the group, and that has trickled down now 2,000 years to you and me. The vision he got radically transformed his life that day, his people, and now generations later, because this is the church we're a part of now. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles and all nations for all time. And so now we're sitting in the, the beauty of what God wanted to give Peter, a vision of what to do. I think when we fail to sit behind closed doors, we fail in receiving God-given visions for our life. Now, Peter went up to a roof to pray, which that's kind of cool, right? I don't know where in church history we quit going to roofs to pray. You guys can just start a revolution and do that. Uh, But Peter went to a roof and prayed, received a vision behind closed doors, if you will, and it altered the course of, of history. You and me, when we fail 
to sit behind closed doors and we don't even give God a chance to paint a vision for our life, we miss out. Our family misses out. Oh, this is the vision for me. This is the vision for my family. This is the vision for those around me in my community. This is the vision that can maybe transfer and and change all kinds of things to come in the generations to come. See, God created the mountains. He created all the kinds of different animals, right? God can take several different colors on a sunset and do the beautiful blend of how, if you just look at the skyline and go up, how those colors just perfectly blend. Like, he creates amazing, beautiful, awesome things. He can and wants to create vision for your life of where you're going, where you're headed, what are you going to do. I, I mean, again, this is kind of like a, this is your life. This is your one life. Rock it. Like, take a hold of it. Ground yourself understand because all too often Monday oh can't wait till Friday oh it's Monday can't wait till Friday Monday can't wait till Friday that is the that's that's the life that we end up in God's saying man you guys see the colors of the fall this right now the trees it's like man I got paintbrushes y'all I can paint something for your life you get alone and give me a chance to reward you and to bless you and to give you a vision that could radically change your life and the life of your family. Third question is, what is your vision? What is my name? What am I doing? What is my vision? These are huge questions God's using to instill stability for his purpose. The fourth question This kind of gets into a territory where sometimes we start to walk on eggshells because, you know, we're just our society, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, influences the church and and like this whole notion of like always being afraid to offend everybody. Um, Kind of ridiculous. Well, severely ridiculous. Uh, The sin, it's about sin. And this fourth question, we're going to look at another story in Acts um, and and we're going to talk about sin. In Acts 5, we see this uh, story, and I'm just going to set it up for you first. Uh, and before the pose- earlier in Acts, like I said, Jesus had ascended to heaven. The, the apostles started the church in Acts. And what they did was they said, here's what we're going to do. Sell everything you have and bring all the money to the, um, the apostles, and then they can divvy it out and help meet needs. So everybody, literally, sell what you have, bring all the money here, we are just going to help each other all the time. That's how this church thing is going to work. So they decided to do that. Well, there's a story about Ananias and Sapphira. And here it is. Um, this is Acts 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. But he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said... Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just humans, but, but you've lied to God. 
When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Boom, gone, toast, he's gone. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped his body up, carried him out, and buried him. Okay, so, I mean, Ananias is busted. He dropped dead. They come in. They wrap him up, take him out. Okay? Now, about three hours later, his wife comes in. You can feel this anticipation rising. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asks her, Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Oh, what is she going to say? What is she going to say? Let's go. Yes. No, don't say yes. All right. Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, toast. She fell down at his feet, and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now here's what's so amazing about this story. And I use amazing because I'm going to tell you why. If you just turn two chapters later in Acts, in Acts 7, we read the story about Stephen. And you, can, you do it later. But Stephen perfectly recites the history of Israel um, uh, to the Sanhedrin, to, to the court. He, he, he tells the people the long history of Israel. Point, these people knew the history of Israel. These people knew the history of Israel. Ananias and Sapphira knew the history of Israel. And in the history of Israel, it was a very well-known story of Joshua and Jericho. Joshua, trumpets, running around Jericho, marching seven times, the walls come tumbling down. They would have known that story. But what's so fascinating is what happens in that story. Joshua, after the walls come tumbling down, it's like cash in. They get all the plunder. They, they get all the goods. God sets up a covenant with Joshua. says, you get all the goods and you, it, you dedicate it to me, Okay. And so Joshua, this is a hype moment for Joshua and, and the people like, yeah, the walls came tumbling down. We're getting it. And it's for God. And God calls out Joshua and says, your people have sinned against me. They've defiled my name. Joshua's like, what? No, no, we haven't. We, like, no, we've been trusting you. The walls came tumbling down. We're getting all the stuff and we're dedicating it to you. He says, no, Joshua. Somebody in your camp has done something awful. Joshua's like, what? A guy named Achan had taken some of what was not his. Boldface lie. Take it to his tent, covered it up, and acted like he had been right in doing everything he's doing. Didn't tell anybody what he did behind closed doors. So here's where the scripture happens. So then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted. I coveted them, and I took them. They are hidden 
and the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Later in the story, just verses later, Joshua was commanded. The people took Achan out and they stoned him to death. Ananias and Sapphira would have known that story. And what they represent to us is, on one hand, they affirm how we still think. That historically, even though we clearly see people caught in secret sin, somehow we still think, but I won't get caught. And historically, it proves you get caught, you get caught, you get caught. But historically, we continue to say, I know less story, I know less story, but I won't get caught. And there's a secret sin. And there's a sin behind closed doors. And what that sin is doing is completely stoning to death your relationship with God. It's completely cutting the power of the first three questions. You, you, don't, you don't care about your name. You don't care about what you're doing. You don't care about vision when there's sin in your life. It, it, it corrupts it. So you do go out into the world, and it's easy to just be tossed around Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday. Because you, you, you're, you're, you're not in. Like you're not like, I'm, I'm dedicated, I'm focused. No, not with their sin. So the fourth question is, is an easy one. It's a powerful one, and it's one that we have to ask. Lord, what is my, what is my sin? So four questions. What is my name? What am I doing? What is my vision? And what is my sin? Now, Jesus Christ, all throughout the New Testament, left to be alone with God the Father in prayer. The, 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 the Gospels and the, the letters of the New Testament are very clear on this. Jesus often would withdraw to be with the Lord in prayer. But all too often, we at the church leave it as just a simple little cute Bible story that says, well, of course, Jesus, I mean, he was the son of God. He's perfect. Of course, he's going to withdraw and go spend time with God. And of course, he said, follow me. So our example is we need to be alone with God in prayer. And while all that is true, we usually just punctuate right there and walk away from that thought process. Not today. I'm not letting you get away with that easy tie a ribbon on it and make it pretty. No. Jesus was the second Adam. He was a man. He was in flesh. And in his baptism in Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized and we hear audibly the voice of God. It says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? That happens at the baptism, Matthew 3. If you go later on in Matthew into 17, chapter 17, there's this thing that happens. It's called the transfiguration. That's approaching the crucifixion. But this transfiguration is when Jesus goes up on a mountainside. He meets with Moses and Elijah and God. Now, it's significant because when Jesus goes up on the mountainside to meet that time, Matthew is writing and he's showing his readers that it indeed is Jesus is displaying that he is the fulfillment of the law, Moses, and he's the fulfillment of the prophets, Elijah. So he's not only the fulfillment, but now God is there with them in presence. And again, we hear the audible voice of God say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Now this 
is crucial because if you set up the bookends of Jesus' life with this is my son whom I'm well pleased, you're baptized, I'm well pleased. Towards the end, I am well pleased with you, son. All these times within the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus, he is leaving to be alone with God. So we can take a very good educated guess at what those conversations consist of. That Jesus was finding out, man, the Lord is pleased with me. So I can go back into the chaotic world and do what I'm doing. See, that's the question. Was there any other voices during Jesus' life speaking to him? Were there any other voices? Absolutely. He was flesh. And people called him blasphemer. They rebuked him. They said, you're a liar. You're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. There were other voices speaking into the life of Jesus his whole life. But what did he do? Did he get caught up in the world speaking? No. So we can kind of see when he was going to the Father, it probably was going like this. Father, I've left the world. I'm behind closed doors. God's saying, I'm so pleased with you. Jesus says, what is my name? Jesus. I am the light of the world. That's who I am. I am the light of the world. What am I doing? What am I doing? I am making all things new. I am doing the Father's will. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing your will, Father. I want to do your will. And I want to do what you have taught me to do. Okay? What is my vision? My vision is to teach the people of God who have ran away from God that they can be restored, that they can be renewed in a relationship. That is the vision of my my life. And sin, what Jesus was purposely an example for us to live a life apart from sin. But he knew their sin like crazy. And he had to deal with it with God. So then after Jesus can maybe have those alone times with prayer, God says, I tell you the truth. And then Jesus says, okay, now I can go back into the world and face all the clamor and noise of the world. Do you know the gospel writers? 79 times over the course of the gospel, 79 times, they mark the words of Jesus saying, this is what Jesus said, I tell you the truth. 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 I'll tell you the truth. 79 times, 30 times in the book of Matthew, where we're hanging out right now, 30 times in Matthew, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Now, it is not a coincidence that I think Jesus is speaking out of the overflow of his heart. That he, when he's with God alone, he's hearing, I tell you the truth. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm steady. I'm planted like a tree by a stream of living waters. I will not be moved. Okay, I'm back into the world, and as I go into the world, guess what happens? I'm talking to you, 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 and I'm saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Yeah, you can call me this. You're not phasing me. I'm steady. I've got God. I tell you the truth. And that's what we see the example of Jesus Christ gives us. So, my question for you and my challenge is this. Biblically, it is clear to see that you can go to God behind closed doors. And when you say, what is my name? 
you will give God an opportunity to speak your narrative. Say, this is your name, and comma, this is who I see you as you are. The world is, is, is fast to give you a narrative, to give you a name. I tell you the truth. You seek me, I tell you the truth. What am I doing? I tell you what you're doing, and I'll tell you what you need to be doing. I'll tell you the truth of what you're doing. Well, God, what is my vision? I'm so glad you asked, my son. I'm so glad you asked, my daughter. I've got resources, and I can do amazing things. Here's my vision for your life. Here's what I want you to do, and I'll tell you the truth. Don't listen to what the world tells your vision is. No, I'll tell you the truth. Here's your vision. God, what about my God, what about my sin? I tell you the truth. You've got sin. Just get rid of it. My grace is sufficient for that, but I'll tell you the truth. You're not a wretched piece of trash like the world might tell you. You're my son and daughter whom I love dearly, and you're redeemed. Get rid of your sin. I'll tell you the truth. It is my prediction. I guarantee it. I mean, I just know if we could be a people who would get behind closed doors and wrestle with these four questions, allow there to be time, not for the clamor of the world to get in our way, but for the voice of truth to speak into our lives and for us to steady ourselves, we would have extraordinary growth in our relationship with God and as a strong, steady human being because we would know who I am, what I'm doing, what is my vision, and what is my sin. And then and only then does God see a heart that becomes fully committed so he can strengthen it and he can reward it with his truth. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. You are so good. And Lord, I pray that we would have the nerve to shut the door and just say, Lord, steady me. Plant me deep by the stream. Let me know who I am. And let me know what I'm doing and what my vision is and what my sin is. And God, let my heart be committed to you and will you please, God, just bless us and reward us with your strength and your goodness and your peace of life. In Jesus' name.